Hello, bold and conscious leader. Welcome to our new and refreshed 2022 season of the Bold Conscious Connections podcast, where we bring to you people who have shown special courage, character, and consistency to express themselves fully. After all, as long as we're alive, we want to live a full life, don't we? So our guests that we bring demonstrate that they do not want to die with their gifts because we're all meant to be given gifts that we share with others. And this is how we play our part in raising our collective consciousness in this world through this podcast called Bold Conscious Connections. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest today. Another great conversation, this time with Shalini Prakash. Shalini is an investor, entrepreneur, and a published author. She's the founder of Purple Matter, a platform that invests in startups and works with entrepreneurs. She has over 13 years of experience across venture capital, accelerators, and startups. As a venture capital professional, she has extensive hands-on operational experience in leading investments, deal sourcing, and structuring with exposure to international markets and venture capital funds. She published her first book called Clueless at 30, which is a lighthearted take on a millennial's prevailing insecurities and challenges and finding their way in the world. It covers her experiences and stories of other entrepreneurs as well, the hustle, sacrifice, goof-ups, and more. It made it to the Amazon's bestseller list too. She is an active member in the startup ecosystem uh, based in India. She was part of the 40 under 40 India alternate investment professionals list in 2018, and also recognized as a top woman investor by Business World in 2022. She's a thought leader around venture capital and startups and was recognized as LinkedIn's top voice in 2017. She's spoken extensively at events at Harvard University, places in Mumbai, IIT Mumbai, Facebook, Nescom, and many others. So without further ado, uh, all of this introduction is in show notes as well. Let's get to our episode. All right, we're live. You know, there's there's always these situations in life when you run into somebody who is broken ceilings, um, you know, is testimony to the fact that the world is a much more even place to live. And Shalini Prakash, who, who is here with me today, uh, has, is, is certainly testimony to the power of women and what they can do in the world. And you know when you're when you you may feel fully confident and fully inspired. So you're an inspiration, Shalini. So thank you for being thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you so much, Raju. It's my uh, pleasure, and thank you for that kind introduction. Right. So I'm going to introduce you know uh, you to the pot in the podcast in the intro, but I still like to just tell the listeners who you are. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I live I live in India. I live in Bangalore, and um, I'm an engineer by qualification. Um, the last seven, eight years or so has been mostly in the venture capital and startup ecosystem where I work with several early stage entrepreneurs and founders. Previously, I worked for funds like 500 Startups, which is a value-based fund uh, where I've led India Investments and Portfolio. 
and uh, the last uh, year or so has been me running my own uh, startup platform called Purple Matter through which I invest and also work with early stage founders on their um, uh, startup journey and I run leadership programs for them. And yeah, this is this is a bit about uh, what I'm doing. Oh, that's wonderful. Shalini, your success uh, thus far as an investor, as you said, an author, your book came out last year or early this year, um, Clueless at 30, an entrepreneur, as you just said, to be recognized as a thought leader across multiple platforms and, you know, impressive 40, 40 under 40, top woman investor. So through stories, because people like to hear stories, how you did what you did, can you tell them how you did what you ended up you doing today? Of course, we all don't know when we begin and the journey goes where it goes, but what's your story? Take us back to where your fascination with business began. Well, I come from a, I come from a business family myself. Um, my parents, uh, they run a large um, uh, landscaping company here out of India and they've sort of grown up with, um, you know, the business talk and so on. Right. And, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that um, that's where my interest uh, started, but yes, there was some knowledge and some base around it. And um, like most Indian families, at least South Indian families Mm -hmm. um, until like say 15 years ago, right. I mean, engineering, medicine, these were the preferred uh, professions that their child had to pick. And I came from one of those families. So I always knew I was going to be an engineer um, or, or a doctor and I chose engineering. I graduated and I started off my career with Fidelity Investments and um, as an engineer. And it was it was it was great. And uh, it was a good start. I was earning pretty well um, and so on. But I think there was there was this time where, um, you know, I always knew I wanted to do something more, but I didn't know what that was. And so what I did was I, I went and did my master's. I changed my jobs a couple of times, sometimes into completely unknown uh, industries and so on. So, But I think what eventually sort of um, really interested me was giving um, birth to an idea and let it sort of take shape, right? And I, I was really fascinated by the whole idea mm. of creation and building from scratch. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of it. Now, there are two ways to be a part of it where, you know, you can be a founder yourself if where you if you have an idea, you can go build it. Or you can always be on the other side of the table as an investor, especially as an early stage investor, because there's so much more you need to do because venture capital or venture investing is not, especially in early stage, um, is not as important as venture building. So I really like to see myself playing a role there. So yeah, you know, through uh, working with different startup funds, it enabled me to sort of be a part of the venture building process for several early stage entrepreneurs. And that's what really excited me. So yeah, so to answer your question, uh, Raju, I think it took me about uh, five or six years in my, you know, early uh, 20s to sort of figure out this what I wanted to do and uh, yeah and and I made that uh, jump wow so you know it's no secret that we all learn from challenges that we go through in life or traumas or even failures and then they become pivotal points for you know in our lives to say when you when you look back and say oh my god look if I if that hadn't happened and this wouldn't happen right so can you speak to perhaps a couple of those turning points in your life you're still very young, so you know it's just whatever you know at this point. What, what's um, the turning point? Sure, sure. I think um, several different uh, turning points. I mean, it may not necessarily 
have been like a big career jump. So the first that comes to uh, my mind was, um, I remember this is back in 2014, uh, where I was, you know, uh, undergoing a little bit of existential crisis or identity crisis. And uh, I and while I knew that um, I wanted to do something different and I didn't want to be an engineering consulting, I didn't want to sort of um, be an engineer or be a software engineer anymore. So in 2014, I remember I chose to do a year of just be a yes man, you know, like just say yes to any interesting opportunity that comes your way. Um, and I did that. I did that. I I consulted with a mm-hmm. startup, which is now called um, Inmobi. I also uh, consulted with an accelerator called Target Target Accelerator through um, another accelerator called Chiron. I was an EIR with GSM. So there are like multiple gigs that I decided to take without questioning um, you know, where is this going to go? What am I going to do? There were four or five things that I was trying to do in parallel um, during that transition time because I was experimenting. And uh, and uh, the funny thing is, it somehow, you know, although it seemed all disconnected, it's all it all sort of co- started coming together in the year 2015. And um, that, I would say, was one of the turning points, you know, where I decided to just say yes and not think too much, not really think of the end outcome, but just do for the adventure or the joy or for the joy of learning or experience something new. I think that was uh, definitely one uh, turning point. Um, and the second one is, you know, when I when I decided to write the book because I am no writer uh, or I don't come from that world, and um, it is something that I really uh, wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, which is identity crisis. You know, because a lot of young millennials, uh, all of us have the a problem of abundance, right? I mean, we have abundant opportunities. You know, we probably also have a little bit of cushioning in terms of financial resources and so on, right? So I think in terms of, you know, what what young people want and uh, do we really know what we want is, um, is something that I've been very curious about. And I've never been able to answer this question of, you know, uh, what is your passion, right? If somebody says, what is that one thing that you want to do? I've never been able to uh, answer this question. And sure. I've always struggled. I struggle with it even today. So I was very curious about it and uh, I wanted to write about it, especially for people who don't know. And then it is funny when you realize that 80% of the people around you actually don't know. They don't know what their passion is or what is it that they're meant to do. And everyone's sort of figuring out and it doesn't matter if they're 20, 30 or 40, uh, but everyone's still figuring out. So so I wanted to talk about it and that uh, eventually led uh, me to you know write a book. I didn't think I was going to get a book deal and you know, go through this whole process, but I did. And um, I think that was definitely a turning point for me. Well, congratulations. I mean, you know, you stood, you know, I, I, I've read parts of the book. I'm, I'm going to be very honest. Um, haven't finished it yet. There's so many books all around us, right? So, but yes, so, so you know, so tell, so what does the book tend to convey that there is all these choices and we, we, we uh, you know, we don't make up our mind. I mean, I'm still in my, I'm still in my 60s and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So we all have, you know, we move through stages in life and you realize it's not just about your career, right? So, so the, the discussion we're having here is, is really about the one person who, who, who's a mother, is a, has a career, has all these things, right? So we're all one, one person, one body. So in the messaging of the clueless at 30, is it really targeted only at millennials or is it just for anybody? As you said, most of us are trying to figure out what we want to do. Oh, it's for, it's, no, it's for everybody. It's a, it's for everybody. Um, and the book actually is not, is not like a cheat sheet or tips on how to be 
um, unclueless or no, it's 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 nothing nothing to do with that actually. So the how I've written this book is also um, I've divided the book into four parts, um, starting about you know our initial dilemma mm -hmm. right, which yeah. which is what I call the phase one, which is FOMO, which is uh, fear of missing out, which most of us know. So it's about the anxieties and the social pressures, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, my friends like coming in this 30 under 30 list or your parents telling you about how everyone's getting ahead of you and you are feeling stuck and left behind and you have no clue where your career is headed or where your life's headed. So, you know, so I talk about um, all of that in phase one, um, which is in FOMO. Um, then I move to uh, phase two, which is called SOBO, which is, um, you know, really search or even you're in search of better options. So how do you really break free from that FOMO phase, right? And you mm -hmm. sort of jump into the other side to explore. Right. And what you actually realize when you're also on the other side is that, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? But then when you're there, you realize that, you know, you are, there are so many firsts that you experience, like, uh, you know, you know, for the first time you're standing on stage or first time you're making this pitch or you know, there are so many fears that are associated with it, right? But, you know, you come to realize that, you know, when you want something better, when you're clueless and you want something better for yourself, you have to go through that journey. You have to put yourself into that, um, you know, confusion or that pain to sort of see yourself, uh, you know, come out uh, brighter and stronger and better. So, so that's the Sobo phase. And then uh, I talk about the third stage, which is the Jomo phase, which is uh, really the joy of, uh, sorry, the Jolo phase, which is the joy of letting go. Uh, basically letting go of all the things that's really holding us back. You know, it could be belief systems to, um, you know, um, or the societal pressure and all of that is really holding us back because, you know, we think we put so much emphasis on where uh, our lives headed or what everybody around us would think or judge us for it. And then you realize that nobody actually cares about what you're, you know, going through because everyone has their own shit, right? I mean, that they have to deal with it. But we put lay so much emphasis on that. It's yeah. all about really so right. unburdening yourself and taking off that load from your shoulder and sort of uh, letting it all go and uh, not carrying that baggage on your shoulder. And the fourth part is um, really, uh, you know, the mofo phase, which is moving forward, right? I mean, when you don't know what is it that you want to do, you just keep moving forward. You know, I spoke about the yes man phase that I went actually um, is sort of um, is, is an example to that. And I also talk about a specific topic called uh, find your slash in the fourth phase, which is mofo phase. What essentially it really means is um, when you don't know what is that one thing that you want to do, go be four things or go be five things, right? Don't wait for that one thing to happen. And there's no sign, uh, you know, that someone will show and, you know, for you to sort of say, hey, this is my passion and this is what I'm going to do. But just sort of just keep doing anything that sort of rocks your boat or, you know, catches your fancy, right? Like just just keep doing it because uh, that's how you build your identity capital, right? It's all these experiences and learnings that you collect along the way, which sort of really shapes you as a human being or even as a professional, like, uh, for example, if you want to be a successful wildlife photographer, you need to understand, um, you know, wildlife slash ecology slash art slash tech slash all these slashes that you need to collect uh, to sort of give you that unique perspective as a photographer. Uh, so because, the, um, you know, you collected these experiences and learnings through different ways. So so the idea is, yeah, when you don't know what is that one thing you want to do, go five things. And that's maybe how a clueless person should live. And uh, that's essentially what I'm saying. That's wonderful. That's 
you know, I, it all resonates because ultimately what's happening right now is what's going to shape your life. And if you live in the past or the future, you, you don't know the future, right? But listening to you, you know, and I think it's pretty common that we all identify with our careers more than anything else, right, in life. Uh, as to who we want to be outside and therefore the doing, doing, doing is what takes over our life. So speak to, okay, so people, when they meet you, that's, it's all, you're an investor, you're, you're this, you're that in the, in the world of business and finance. Who are you really? If somebody were to ask you, but okay, okay uh, is it about being in the world and doing stuff, doing stuff all the time? But, but who are you? I think I'm a catalyst. Um, I like to play, um, mm. I like to enable things to happen, right? I mean, it could be through different forms where, um, say if you're coaching someone, right, you're, um, you're sort of, you're, you're a navigator, right? I mean, you're trying to navigate uh, people's uh, journey or their careers or whatever, what, whatever it is that they're trying to figure out. Or even through venture capital, right? I mean, I don't see myself as an investor at all. I mean, I see myself more as someone who's sort of playing a role in shaping that venture for them, right? So, so yeah, I think I would see myself more like as a, um, as a catalyst or a navigator. Wonderful. And clearly you cannot accomplish all that you have, you know, in, in these uh, uh, short years, uh, unless you're ambitious and bold, right? So everything, as, as you, you know that we, everything I do is bold, conscious leadership. Everything is about being bold and conscious in ways that, you know, because it's life is a learning experience similar to what you're saying. Now, there's nothing new under the sun because people have come and gone and been through this, left us a lot of wisdom, and we're all just sort of collectively collecting that wisdom and becoming more and more aware of what's what's possible, right? So what does it mean when I ask you, what does it mean for you to be bold? I think it means that, you know, sometimes it's just about um, uh, following your um, convictions and not being really afraid of the um, end outcome, right? Um, <clears throat> as cliched as it may sound, right? I mean, initially, when you want to do something very different um, or you want to sort of um, turn your life upside down, right? I mean, there, there, are not, there are not too many cheerleaders for you, right? There are a lot of naysayers around you. So for me, it's about really following your conviction and sort of uh, seeing it through till the end. You know, you win, you fail, but you know, that's, that's a bold decision. So for me, that's what bold would mean. Right. Excellent. What about the word consciousness? What does that mean to you? Uh, I would say like um, having complete awareness about yourself, right? Um, it could be your emotions or whatever it is that you're going through, right? I think um, mm. I think that's what that's what um, you know it, you know consciousness would mean. I think having complete awareness of you know your decision or how you think and what really triggers you or what really moves you and you know having that good understanding is um, consciousness for me. And needless to say, that comes from some kind of practice, right? Every day we do something because we have practices, habits. Are there practices and habits or some senses of I don't want to use the word discipline because that's always misunderstood as, you know, you got to do things against the grain. No. What is it that uh, keeps us, or keeps you, you know, whether it's aware, more aware, more grounded, and to make sure that you don't, you know, you don't lose sight of your convictions and therefore be more bold, 
you know, in the world, because ultimately if you're a catalyst and you're making the difference to your, to your initiatives and ventures and, you know, juggling a million things in life, it needs something. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Life is not perfect, but so what are some of those things, maybe two or three things that you do on a daily basis? I think, um, so one definitely um, is for a very long time, I, I've been reading a lot, right? Um, I read a lot to sort of, um, mm. um, and, and, and I read a lot about various topics, you know, it could be from, you know, I went through the space of spirituality to, you know, leadership to learning human behavior and so on, right? I think one is, <clears throat> one is definitely that because I think uh, a lot of this you sort of, not just um, apply to yourself. Um, some of these lessons also sort of helps you assessing situations in your everyday, everyday life, right? You start observing people around you uh, more. And, um, you know, it could be a founder or an executive, or, you know, even like normal people around you, right? I think it sort of gives you that um, unique lens. That is that is one. And the second thing that I really do is I love I love meeting people, and I think that is my gateway to learning everything that's outside there or, or happening outside in the world. Because um, and and it need not necessarily be to do with technology or your work, right? I mean, it could be anything. And um, I've always enjoyed meeting people, and I think conversations um, really inspire me um, to do better and to learn and learn from each other. So I think these are two things that I do. I, I meet a lot of people. I like to read. Um, and I wish I wish I was meditating as much as I would have liked. Uh, I I don't, but that's something that I've recently started and still exploring that phase. Awesome. So um, I'm going to go back to some couple of earlier points uh, that you made, and also the question I was asking about. You know the traumas and the failures of our lives. Uh, it could be in the form of a deal that went sour, or it could be something else that you know stays with you, and then. It becomes pivotal. I talked about turning points earlier, and so so let's let's stick to the world of perhaps the world you live in, which is venture. There are there maybe a story or two that that you were really proud of that like wow this amazing you know venture went well because you 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 were the catalyst to support it and the founder and help them, and then one perhaps the other side where you know, venture is a is a vent. The venture game is always about what do they say? Uh, one is a ten bagger. They're happy. I'm talking about the, the cap, venture capitalists now. Uh, you know, ten is to one ratio. The nine will not do anything. One will succeed. But when you're so close, you try to nurture a business, nurture the founder's dream, and you're helping them to, to move forward. You you must have had experiences. So can you can you uh, without naming name any you know of course anyone just have you had that one big one and the one sort of like ah that went sour uh yeah i think i can i can think of two um you know at the top of my head so one is i think um so especially in india when you look at investing at least say four five years ago right i mean there was um so many startups that were mushrooming which were essentially aping the west right i mean it could be uber for india or mm -hmm. uh, amazon and so on right i mean these were the uh, popular investment uh, areas and there were a couple of bets that i made especially in health tech and biotech um which um, you know which needs a lot of patient capital and there was not so much available right i mean these are not considered investable um <clears throat> spaces and 
ஒன்ிங் and the second thing is you know you're enabling a lot of this with the ecosystem players itself right i mean it could be with the you know health ministry or whoever right i mean who can help them in the initial phase or with even the connections where they're forming um that they needed in the us or in india i think i was able to successfully do that uh, to both in their uh, early early uh, stages and and you know as most people say that you know your um, best days i think you can you know you can get a lot of access to um, capital and so on but in your bad days you know not too many investors you know when your current investors around right so i think you know just sort of being there uh, for that and just sort of uh, seeing this journey through um uh, through them right i think has also sort of taught me a lot uh, taught me a lot about entrepreneurship and i would say mm-hmm. that i have contributed uh, to some degree uh, where they are today and that's something that i'm really proud of and the other thing mm-hmm. is on completely down uh, south is you know you know there was at least very early in my days there was this one investment that i made and um, you know you make a commitment and then um, and then you know you start realizing as you start spending more and more time with the founder that you know this isn't going to go well and you know and sometimes you just you're caught in between but you still do it uh, because you've you know given a verbal commitment and then i didn't pull out when i did have to and i didn't and i went through with it because i gave my word and you know things went down there's this founder breakup the team were not working it was like an ugly marriage right <laughs> so um yeah. so yeah, sometimes you know you if you're not listening to your uh, you know gut feeling and gut. and you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think sometimes it works right i think it it does work and uh, that is that is one mm-hmm. one investment it's not just the you know the money is one part of it right and then they have you have clients and they have employees working and and this this ugly divorce and you know everything's getting split and you know like all of that right and when you really didn't think somebody mm. was going to be able to be the company you know don't do it right like don't do that deal or you know don't don't be a part of it so i think that's right. uh, that's one deal for me one learning for me as well well again oh my god this is this is the kind of stuff that you know people who are still probably with us listening uh there's a lesson to be learned as well that you know your your intuition and your gut is very important and and the more you listen to those things because you know you're going to make a decision one way or the other and then you know the gut tells you one thing you know you you ought to follow it that doesn't mean you know we won't make mistakes in life right so i think that's a great example is there anything that you you know you're you're pretty popular people know who you are a thought leader and all that is there anything that people might not know about you that you that you care to share uh i used to be um i used to be a national badminton player so i played for junior india so that's one thing that i don't think many people know about oh, wow. yeah very few very few people but yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's um awesome. that's good. and um i'm actually also an artist i love i love painting and um i've been doing that for almost 20 years now and um it 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 goes in spikes it's like up and down you know there's no consistency in my um um in my artwork but yeah i think that's something that i love doing and 
Um, I also, you know, have like friends and stuff who commission um, art for, you know, their office or their home. And that's something that I do when, when I have the time. And you do that. Sorry? So I could just see that you're going to unleash more of you as life goes on. Clearly more things are coming out. Uh, no, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not something that I do professionally, but yeah, it's something that I really enjoy. And, um, and for me, art, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the funny thing is I also pick up, um, you know, the paintbrush when I'm in transition. It's, it's something that I have uh, seen as a pattern in myself, you know, when I'm transitioning careers or when I'm at certain crossroads, I think um, that's when I actually pick up the paintbrush because mm -hmm. I think maybe it is a very, very um, meditative state for me. It sort of really, you know, transcends me to a, like a different world mm -hmm. or a different universe. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that's actually when I pick up a paintbrush. That's awesome. Wow. So we're going we're gonna to wait to hear more from Shalini, I'm sure, in the future. Guys, we're still listening to this. Um, so, so talk about perhaps one or two leadership lessons that you've learned. Um, you've touched on a few, but just, just to kind of summarize it, what would be, you know, if I'm, if I'm a founder of a company and I'm struggling, uh, not sure where to go, you keep running out of money, you know, maybe you haven't cooked the idea fully, whatever it may be, what are the one or two leadership lessons related to this venture side that you would leave with these people listening to us? Sure. I think one is, um, I think a lot of people underestimate um, the importance of uh, communication. I don't want to use the word storytelling, maybe storytelling if you're fundraising, but you know, when you're trying to build a team, um, having effective communication uh, with your team or even at the process of building your team is very, very important and having the clarity um, is very, very um, important. Um, and the second one is uh, when you're building an organization, um, I think having high EQ or even um, empathy um, is very important. And I don't know how much of it you're able to cultivate like overnight, and but it is something that I think uh, over a period of time um, becomes very, very important uh, if you want to be a strong leader. And the other, um, other mm -hmm. thing is, you know, I think um, it's always about walking the talk, right? I think all of us talk about um, you know, being disciplined or um, going by the book or whatever, right? I think the best way to lead is, you know, you you leading as an example yourself, right? As a leader of the organization, uh, you sort of walk the talk. Right. I think uh, that's that's when actually people really look up to you as an individual or as a leader. So I think these are uh, these are a few things that are definitely um, um, important, mm -hmm. and especially, in, I mean, when you talk at least about series A, B type of investments, and you know, these things become even more important. I mean, of course, the numbers do matter, all the metrics do matter. But eventually, you're also looking at the founder as somebody who, um, who can be a potential leader, right? Um, so that so these softer mm -hmm. aspects become equally important. Hmm. All right. So here we have an example of a bold, conscious leader. And so Shalini, thanks for being with us. And I'm sure, as I said, we'll hear more about you. Maybe you'll come back and we'll do a slightly different focus uh, discussion, maybe about your art, maybe about some more books that you're about to publish. Who knows? So uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Uh, and um, 
there's anything last minute you want to say to anybody because we'll, we'll in the show notes we'll talk about where to find you uh is, is, is there a particular place they would like people to contact oh before i go i want to know about uh the purple is it purple matter is that what you're calling it and did i catch that this is more focused on women or that's not necessarily the case oh no it's not focused on women it's more uh it's it's focused uh for no it's it's, it's for everyone um yeah there are a few programs that are uh, women focused but uh, the platform itself is for everyone i mean i mean i invest in any uh, founder who i think is passionate and building something interesting and also programs are open for everyone so can you just give us one couple of sentences about what purple matter does and where if if you want people to reach out to you how can they find you sure i mean um so people can reach out to me on linkedin um i'm fairly active on linkedin and quite accessible on linkedin um purple matter is a mm-hmm. um a platform through which I do my investing um, and you know, early stage investing. These could be syndicates and so on. Um, and and a, another part of what I do through this platform is also run programs, leadership programs for founders, or it could be like MVP programs for growth stage startups and so on. So yeah, it's both. Um, it's uh, it's There's an investing side and there's like a community side in terms of programs and so on. Awesome. So yeah, that that's great. So Uh, We'll put that in the show notes so people can find you. Thanks again, Shalini, and I hope to see you soon. I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. We strive to bring you conversations that make you think, reflect, and perhaps inspire you to take even one little step in your path towards personal growth and greater wisdom. Please download the show or the podcast episode that you just heard and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring you meaningful and relevant topics in the future. Take care and thank you so much.